Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Splash Play. Week 16 is in the books, and knowing how many Millie Makers you guys have won, I have to assume each and every one of our listeners also won their season-long championships, Chris. I mean, look, it's been a fantastic year for us and for all of you guys here for watching Splash Play, but the good news is the show goes on and we'll roll on through the playoffs. We've got some exciting announcements about our schedule moving forward to make sure we get you guys the best content during the playoffs. We've also got a bunch of Week 16 things to talk about a lot and review Dwayne Haskins got released, so we have to make fun of him for being completely incompetent. We got Take the L, we got Stat Shaming, and we got some overall feelings heading into Week 17. So, Pete, if you could stall for roughly 45 minutes, I'll get to the intro. I can stall for 45 minutes. I can go for an hour. I am the king of vamp, but I know you don't need that long because you're going to play the music right now. <laughs> I might have hit it accidentally a little too early. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Splash Play, your favorite fantasy football podcast and the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by your friend and mine. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? Doing good, man. Uh, you know, not not the best DFS slate for me yesterday, but, you know, we're moving on. We're on, and I know one of our listeners won a million bucks, so I'm excited for them. How, how did your week 16 go? It was one of those weeks where, for me, and I think this is something we could actually talk about up top here, um, I had a week where the optimizer lineups I built, you know, I, I did a good job, I think, using some of the minimum salaried guys. The Marvin Hall bust, not great, but the fact that he was minimum priced on DraftKings and I had him at 20% ended up being good enough to get uh, to pretty close to profitability. But the issue I had this week, Pete, was all my higher dollar lineups. I usually hand build. I know you are a man who loves to handcraft your lineups. And uh, my optimizer builds this week were not great and kind of killed me. But my hand built lineups actually bailed me out. And I had a, a nice high 10, uh, I think, top 10 showing in the uh, the showdown yesterday. And that bailed out my entire week. But it was really a week for me where I was like, fuck, like, did I just screw up my optimizer process all season long? And that's now the question I have heading into week 17. You know, that's uh, the more you know, then the more you you realize you don't know. That's what happens to me every time I get to like a, a plateau in my process. And then I'm like, oh, shit, now there's a giant mountain that I have to overcome to uh, to get better. So, yeah, it, it will be honestly fun to to look back on some results uh, from this year and try to get better uh, for next year. I can't believe uh, I can't believe the season's over, man. Yeah, and we will have a lot of time to talk about that process stuff. You know, really the journey for me this week started when we did our holiday special, um, which we really need to give a quick shout out to everybody who showed up for that. Uh, you know, Pete got Gretch, got Pat Corain, got Brick on. Um, am I missing anybody? I feel like there was a, is there another person, right? I think that was just, there was just the five of us. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we were flirting with other people to get them on, but didn't, didn't quite pan out, but, but it was a really fun show. And, and on that show, you know, Brick talked about his Sims and like, and, uh, you know, Brian Hooper, very sharp guy, really one of the top earners in both DFS and betting that I know and have, you know, I've talked to at some like same thing, I'm sure for Pete. And um, he talked about his sim process and in the process of that uh, kind of size shamed me about the size of my sims where I saw you tweeting a, a little bit of a dig about the the various simses on the Washington football team. And then somebody uh, said Sims Jr. and then tagged me in it and was like, that's Chris Spags. And I felt I felt that went deep in my core because I guess 100 sims just not enough to cut it in 2020. <laughs> uh, that was a really good joke. I was ribbing Brian saying I was going to give him a Cam Sims jersey. And then someone said, what about uh, Steve Sims Jr.? And uh, poor Spags got. <laughs> tagged 
and that one well the thing is and i've talked to um you know brian and i know leone will run sims too but it's hard because the more you run like you get the late breaking news mm -hmm. like i can't even imagine for nba like you get that news like you don't have time to sim you know when brian has done it he's done like the smaller ones like he said he could sim the thunderdome really quickly because that's like 40 people but like simming a million millionaire maker with two hundred thousand people i assume that would take hours so maybe what you need chris is to get uh you know a quantum computer <laughs> and then you can uh sim these out really quickly yeah that's really why we need splash play to take off is just so we can get better technology so i feel like brian hooper isn't making me look like a dickhead on my own streams <laughs> but i think that's uh the main thing here but it's, it can always get better and i think that's really the main takeaway I would have for all of you guys out there. So make sure you're hitting that like button and subscribing on YouTube. We got a nice little subscriber boost from the holiday show. So thank you to all you guys out there checking out Splash Play for the first time. And if you missed us all year long, have no fear. We're going to be going through the playoffs. And I guess that's the first thing to talk about here. Um, with the schedule moving forward, Pete, I think we're going to be doing Mondays. You know, the time's going to be a little bit in flux because of Pete has a day job. I have to masturbate in intervals and in, in hiding from my girlfriend. So I think that's like, like a cave troll. Um, so those are our various priorities. Also prepare NBA, maybe do some streams there. Uh, but Monday's moving forward. And then Fridays, we're going to try to do that uh, as early as possible, you know, relative to West Coast time on Fridays. So make sure we're giving people the best information heading into the playoffs. But, but Pete, this is really going to be straight DFS down the home stretch because all of our season-long buddies now, uh, really nothing to do. They have to learn to play DFS now, I think, is really the main thing if you've just been following us for season-long content. Yeah, um, it's it's time to transition, guys. I do think the playoff slates are super good intro primers uh, to DFS, and it's also less stressful because you can set your lineup for both Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully, they have some really good two-game or two-day contests going, and you can make like really smart late-swap decisions with like all the available information. And uh, yeah, they should be some good contests and. I think it's a it's a good place to jump in. And this year, normally, I believe it's normally two games on the wild card weekend, and mm -hmm. now it's three games. So a, a nice six game slate uh, the following week is going to be awesome. I and I also, you know, the the single day slates who tend to be the higher prize pool ones that you'll find. I'm sure there might be a couple millie makers coming up on DraftKings and and whatever the FanDuel equivalent is. Uh, so you know, there's going to be a lot coming up out there. Um, and we're I think we probably should talk a little more on Friday about, or maybe you know, not this Friday, but the next upcoming Friday uh, before the playoffs about some shorter slate strategies. So uh, yeah, we'll dig into that a little bit more and try to make it easier for you guys to make that jump in because that's always the goal here to make you guys as smart as possible and as capable of winning money whether it comes through or not but a guy who's losing some money today Pete and this is the, the one benefit of us moving the show to Monday for uh, this home stretch of the season Dwayne Haskins released and uh, yesterday didn't look great he uh, missed the media uh, date that you're supposed to have I guess every starter in the league is supposed to do a little zoom session there and Dwayne Haskins initially they they told they put that news out there then they covered for him and were like oh he thought that Taylor Heineke was supposed to talk because he was the QB and and it just turns out they get released today. So a lot of bad signs here in Washington. Never seen like Ron Rivera buying in, but kind of surprised me they're getting rid of him. They're hiring a GM, I guess, for the first time or an official GM for the first time in a while. And that GM won't even take a look at Haskins, which uh, we've made fun of him. I mean, I've made fun of him personally on every piece of content because he's really been one of the worst QBs in the league, but he's still a number 15 pick and uh, kind of surprising to see him gone from the team. And honestly, might have a hard time getting a job in the league moving forward. Was there a... Uh, a contractual reason that they released him today as opposed to waiting in the off season or whatever. 
I, I don't think so because he's on a rookie deal. So it's not yeah. like there's anything. I like, I think they're still on the hook for the rest of his deal. So it's just really like they just want him out of the building. They're so I guess. fed up. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Cause you think normally maybe like cooler heads prevail, like get him back into the, the program again in the off season, see if he, you know, really wants to dedicate himself. And they're just like, no, we've, we've seen enough yesterday and we are ready to roll with uh, Kyle Allen and Alex Smith and presumably someone that they will draft uh, this year. But yeah, I mean, we see this every once in a while with these high-profile busts, and uh, you never know. I mean, the one thing you hear, even the sharp draft necks say, even the analytics guys, it is really hard to predict which quarterbacks are going to be good, and there's always going to be some landmines in there. And uh, yeah, unfortunate for Dwayne Haskins. My guess is the release has more to do with attitude, stuff behind the scenes, um, because they would just keep him on the roster if uh, even if he wasn't performing well, I think. Well, did you see that part of the game yesterday where um, it was like after he'd gotten replaced by Heineke and then uh, they made Haskins and Chase Young come out onto the field to like support Heineke and his fight, like in one of the drives they were there in the red zone. And it was super awkward. Like the announcers were like, oh, Dwayne Haskins coming back in. And it's like, I guess he's just coming in to say good luck. <laughs> Heineke like it was it was really odd and it's kind of to me read of like a guy being forced to go through the motions of like what Ron Rivera maybe what the organization thinks is a leader and maybe that's not him and you know the other part too is he was caught in a strip club you know being maskless within the last week too you got to be James Harden to get away with that you got to put up like that kind of results if you're going to get that superstar treatment that that is the thing the uh the NFL will put up with a lot of shit uh from these guys but if you are not a, a star player then your lease leash is incredibly short and i think Dwayne Haskins experienced that here uh it'll be interesting to see if he like totally flames out or if he is super motivated you know to use a stat shaming and analogy you know he goes and gets buff and uh, really tries to stick it to his ex-girlfriend uh there was some tweet i saw this morning which unfortunately i did not give it a like or or uh actually no i got the quote i got the quote so here's a quote and actually i'll, I'll let you guess pete uh who this quote's from but it's about uh Dwayne haskins and I thought Dwayne should have waited to declare for the NFL draft, but he's the most like Tom Brady of anyone we've had. He sees it like Tom. He works at it. He plays that way. He plays on timeless intellectual process. I don't want to compare anyone to Tom Brady, but he's Tom Brady-ish. Pete, who gave that quote to the MMQB? Oh, man. I mean, I assume... Is is it like a football guy media? It's a media football guy, yes. Is it Peter King? No, former player. Okay, former player. Oh, uh... Goodness. Um, I mean, I did see some, I saw some Lewis Riddick stuff going around. Was it him? No, that would be, that would be a bad look for his GM possibilities. No, Trent Dilfer. uh, Trent Dilfer. Okay. And then if anybody knows uh, a mediocre quarterback, it should be Trent Dilfer, but apparently not enough. He thought he was the Tom Brady. And that is one of the most freezing cold takes I think one could imagine. Yeah, well, that's always the, I mean, you do get woke points, though, for comping, you know, a black QB to a white guy, because normally those stay uh, between racial lines. So uh, props there. That's true. That is very progressive of Trent Dilfer, who's really been an advocate for for black white QB relations over the years. Um, Another part that I guess we need to talk about a little bit here, and we should maybe talk briefly about the idea of, uh, is this the biggest bust ever? Because, you know, even Jamarcus Russell, I think, had a longer leash. But we need to talk about Taylor Heineke, who did start or did uh, pick up some snaps there after uh Haskins got pulled and it does seem like Heineke's trending towards starting with Alex Smith maybe not ready I think you know we're doing this Monday so we still don't know the full week of practice and all 
that. But that is the assumption is that Heineke is going to start. And uh, Heineke, I think, Pete, you know, we love backup QBs here. Actually, I love backup QBs here on Splash Play. And uh, let's just say before we get into Heineke, what do you know of him besides the fact that I just said his name and you know he's going to be possibly the Washington football team starter? I won't. I will take my hands off the keyboard. I want to. Was he on the Panthers for a little while? Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, okay, yeah. And they, what did they draft him in like, was it like the third or fourth round? See, that I don't know. I did. I, okay. He did play for them, though, the year that Cam yeah. was really hurt. Yeah, okay, that's about all that I know about him. I thought he was like maybe one of those prospects that had like good tools as far as like a big arm and like the right size, but just was never, uh, f- never developed. I think that's all I remember. I think you him. might be mixing him up with Will Greer, who's a little more oh, of like, actually the, yeah. I probably am. Yeah. But Heineke did start that one year. Uh, so he, the last time he played was 2018 in the league, uh, excluding yesterday's game. Um, he also lost his starting job in the XFL. Uh, to on the St. Louis Battlehawks. I remember this one pretty vividly because I thought Heineke was going to be the starter. And then Jordan Taimu, the now, actually, he might be on the Chiefs practice squad now. Uh, but basically, Heineke coming in, one of those guys who they thought would be a starter in the XFL because he was a backup who had some decent results in Carolina. And uh, yeah, he got he did not even start in the XFL. Yeah, that's a that's a tough scene um, when you can't beat out uh, Jordan Tiamu, but you are the new face of the Washington football team franchise. And here are the actual stats. This is not a numbers don't lie situation. These are Taylor Heineke stats from 2018. So, uh, you know, it could be enough to get results against the Eagles, honestly, given what we saw of them. Uh, their rookie, Jaquette, was just terrible yesterday in that game against the Cowboys. And, you know, maybe that's enough for Heineke to get results. But a 33% adjusted completion rate on deep throws with a 15.3 QB rating in his five games played in 20. 2018, a 40 QB rating on 56.3% accuracy under pressure, but a 73% adjusted completion rate on a 70.5 QB rating when he's clean in a clean pocket, not being pressured. So to me, sort of the quintessential backup QB guy who really doesn't, there's no signs here of life, Pete. You know, I, I try to find anything here to be like, oh, this guy, maybe he's got potential. Play him in the showdown on Sunday night, but, but Taylor Heineke, uh, if he makes the playoffs, I mean, more power to him, but it doesn't really seem like he should even be able to, uh, to beat the Eagles. No, it it doesn't. But, uh, you know, we've talked about it with these backup QBs. If they come in and they're at least just fearless and willing to uh, to make some plays and not worried about getting benched or whatever, uh, they can they can be useful, uh, especially Mm -hmm. when teams don't have scouting reports on them. So, uh, you know, I will be rooting for Taylor and uh, your brand as a a backup (laughs) QB lover. This is one I have to say, I am not dying for Taylor Heineke, especially, you know, we need to see McLaurin out there. I think for Heineke to even have a shot Uh, as much as we may enjoy the Simses of the world, whether they be a numerical Monte Carlo simulations or just guys named Sims. Unfortunately, the, the Washington football team doesn't have enough guys there. And, and Logan Thomas try as he might really not enough to drag that team up. But uh, speaking of trying as they might, it's been another week peak. Pete hinted at it earlier, but another week of the Millionaire Maker winner being Among Us, which is great. Uh, and it's not like the game Among Us either, where he's you know secretly trying to kill us when we're not paying attention. He is, in fact, just Among Us dwelling. J.W. Sherry, another Millionaire Maker. Pete, 16 for 16. And uh, you don't need to run a sim to know that that's about as good as you can get. Yeah, I wish I could, uh, you know, kind of, you know, crunch the math. But we should really do that. Um, you know, like one... In a 200,000, let's say, is the average field times 16. I mean, we're talking, you know, uh, I can't even do the math. It just (laughs) broke my Google calculator. It's such an extravagantly large number. I mean, the probabilities, uh, I don't even think a nuclear physicist could wrap their head around it. Let's see, 16 divided by 3.2 million would be... A point oh 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 five. So that would be a point... (laughs) 
0.0005% likelihood, Pete. That's a low probability. <laughs> yeah, it honestly even seems like it's probably a, a lot less likely than even that. Yeah, uh, even so... though that math was clearly perfect and <laughs> not a flaw I'm to be sure had. We will have someone well actually us with the actual odds in the comment <laughs> section. So if you uh, want to bust out your abacus and figure that out for us, we we appreciate you. And also pretend that this is actually a thing that occurs. But either way, let's, for the sake of playing along here, J.W. Sherry, one of our nearest and dearest, and and he starts his lineup off, or he or she starts the lineup off with uh, Deshaun Watson uh, stacked up with Cooks and David Johnson. Normally, the running back QB correlation, not the best, but he did kind of pinpoint that this is going to be a high-scoring game. Ran back this this Texan stack with T. Higgins, one of Pete's favorite guys who came through actually for Pete this week in the Ride or Die picks. And, uh, I mean, honestly, this game, Pete, I, the Vegas total was there. It was one of the highest numbers on the slate. And people just didn't play it enough, it seems. Watson got played, but the rest of the line... Actually, Watson was even lower than I thought. Uh, 8% ownership for him. So, really, people just slept on a game here because the team stink not playing for anything. But the total was there, and I think that just kind of... For whatever reason, people were completely blind to it. Yeah, it's interesting. This was The Texans were actually uh, one of those classic ones where in the super large field, they were way less owned than they were in the uh, like the spy and the mid-stakes mm. single entry stuff. So like I was looking at ownership and I ended up getting off of it because Watson's ownership kept going up and he came in at like 18% and Cooks and David Johnson, all those guys were, I believe, over 15% owned. But man, in the large field stuff, they, uh, they flew under the radar. I, I wasn't on David Johnson at all. He was like a guy that hadn't even made my player pool. It seemed like his projection was a little fragile because he had 16 targets last week mm -hmm. and it seemed a little fluky, but man, he, he legit turned back the clock. And I guess it does make sense if you're like an Austin Eckler type Alvin Kamara, where you can use them with the quarterback, because if they, if they do well, they're going to probably catch a lot of passes. So I think that was a pretty sharp construction there overall for a large field tournament. And who did they, did they bring it back with Higgins? Yeah, it was Higgins bringing it back with his 21 fantasy points. So uh, he was the top receiver there. And uh, yeah, I think one thing to point out though, like it's usually not a great move to put your QB with the running back because like even David Johnson, like he, you know, he actually caught less balls this week. He only had three catches, but you know, the thing is for them, their production kind of is going to come usually, you know, at least 50, 50, maybe 66, 33 for production favoring the run game. So it doesn't correlate perfectly with the QB, but, but yeah, I think, you know, overall the onslaught is really, I think what this guy was thinking here is that the Bengals are bad enough. They can get there. Also, you know, if you want to do an old school gaming or old, old school gambling, look, it is a letdown spot after they just beat Pittsburgh too. So I think there's a lot of things that made sense with the play. Um, and that's the one that won to Millie also running back here, David Montgomery, a guy who I feel like people were uh, cramming into lineups. Actually, 44% owned the Millie Maker. But to me, Pete, I thought he was one of the safest floor ceiling plays out there, especially going against Jacksonville. And honestly, he could have had a bigger day if they just didn't completely smoke him and guys like Artavis Pierce come in and, and end up getting a touchdown. Yeah, he was, I mean, what, last week Montgomery had 32 carries and, yeah. you know, uh, him and Eckler were, you know, both going to be chalky options, but David Montgomery's role is far better than Eckler's right now because he's getting all the goal line work. He's not losing that to anyone. He's catching passes. I um I did play Montgomery in one lineup. I got a little spooked when I saw Cordero Patterson was back after not playing all week, and he had been the other guy earlier in the season that they had given some more touches to. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just a great play. I have like a bias against Montgomery because I think he doesn't. Uh, I don't think he's that good at football, but it doesn't really matter when you're getting 25 touches in really good matchups. So yeah, he was a, he was a great play.
He's been a key part of that Bears offense, which has clearly seen an uptick in just their fantasy viability with Trubisky at QB. So uh, maybe the Mitch era not quite dead in Chicago. Uh, Also at wide receiver for this guy, Michael Gallup. And this is really, I think, for J.W. Sherry, this was the big pivot point. 5% owned, Gallup super cheap, goes off for 33 fantasy points, has two touchdowns, over 100 yards receiving, over 120 yards receiving. You know, we know Gallup was capable of this all year, Pete, but uh, it's for him to come through in week 16. Like, that is the the last possible moment you'd expect, though. you know, he's had a couple big games recently, though, uh, very hard to pinpoint, unlike last year where he was pretty much Amari Cooper. Just people didn't know it. Yeah, I thought that was a really good play. I think it's now two weeks in a row where Gallup at the beginning of the week has just projected really well as like the best value. And then as the week goes along, all of this other value opens up and he flies under the radar. I thought all the Cowboys were wide receivers were in good spots. But I mean, the cheapest one that also has a high A dot with the big play potential um, he makes perfect sense as the, the tournament option there. So, uh, I saw Chipotle attic won the, um, the power sweep, I think with, uh, Andy Dalton double stack that included Michael Gallup too. So the sharp players were definitely on the Dallas Cowboys passing game and it worked out here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe another week to go back to them going against the giants next week and, uh, at tight end Mark Andrews, which honestly, I didn't think was the greatest play in the world. You know, I, I didn't think the move was to get away from Kelsey just because he was so expensive. And for me, the move was going down to the Parham tier of guys, Donald Parham, former XFL star as well, um, who didn't get as many routes. Honestly, I think he would have smashed yesterday if he weren't splitting with Steven Anderson, but Mark Andrews, 13.6 fantasy points, Pete, I feel like at tight end, it just seems week to week. Like it's just worth getting different enough at tight end, not to taking the chalk and just getting a guy who's going to give you 10 fantasy points. And that seems like it's enough. A lot of these weeks. Well, I'm very offended because I played Mark Andrews in my main spy lineup. Uh, And I did for the reason of, I thought everyone was going to go down to Parham or up to Kelsey. And I thought Andrews, I also played Lamar. And so I I preferred Andrews to Marquise Brown and man, Mark Andrews was so close to a monster Mm -hmm. day, legit drop two touchdown passes in the, in the end zone, which was mega tilting uh but yeah it's uh it shows too just like the power of getting on different constructions with that guy's lineup had a way more kind of balanced build and didn't fall i think the trap would have been the people who got up to tyree kill and calvin ridley and then really punted that ended up being kind of the trap build uh and they went more middle of the road and it worked out yeah, Tyree Kill was not my favorite play on the week. And closing out this guy's lineup, uh, Jamison Crowder doing a nice job with the Jets here. A bit of a bounce back for him after he's, you know, he hasn't been as much of a linchpin to that offense, but gets a passing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. That's enough to get there. And honestly, kind of surprised me that this guy had the Chargers defense. I, I really thought more people would be on the Panthers defense going against Haskins. And apparently uh, people weren't thinking that way. And uh, I didn't know that it was going to lead to Haskins getting released, but the Panthers defense, you know, a uh, nice spot here, had 21 fantasy points, but this guy, the Chargers getting seven was enough for him. So another example, you could have beaten the millionaire maker if you just knew uh, the other seven parts of the lineup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so wait, so they had Chargers or Panthers? They had the Chargers getting seven oh. fantasy points and then Mark Andrews getting 13.6. So gotcha. two, two ways they could have gotten a little better. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing about our listeners is um, there's always room to improve. Like we're, we're very proud of you. You won a million dollars, but there's some things you could do to tighten up your game. And that's what we're going to work on uh, over the next few weeks. Or just never play DFS again. Honestly, like, I think that would be one of the things where I don't know, Pete, we, we haven't ever talked about this, but if you won a Millie maker, like what, how would you handle it? Cause I think to me, what I would do is I would take out 900 K and then, you know, put away whatever for taxes and whatever. And then I would play that hundred K and then that hundred K is it for me. Like if I lose that hundred K, I think I'm 
I'm done with DFS. If I make that 100K into a million, then I can be awesome and just and coast and, and make a site with my name everywhere and my face like, <laughs> get good DFS projection. It's just me like a slimy car salesman. Yeah, no, I think I would become the most insufferable person uh, on the planet. And uh, yeah, I would probably, man, because the other interesting thing about that, right, is like the tax implications mm-hmm. too, where like if you got that at the end of the year, I would definitely do some shot taking. I would probably be, you know, rolling out a few lineups in the Thunderdome the last few weeks, you know, playing some of the the luxury box stuff and just seeing if I could really uh, run it hot. But yeah, I would probably have a fairly nitty approach like you uh, once all the tax dust settled. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be smart about that here. But you know that's why we're giving this advice out because we have so many people winning a million dollars each week that we want you guys to exercise smart bankroll and and really the smartest bankroll you can have is knowing when you win a lot that you're probably not gonna win at that ratio ever again. I think that's really the main thing. Well, yeah, and that's the the I think it is such a yeah. I actually had someone in my Discord asking me bankroll questions earlier. He said he had just had a big NBA hit. And I, it is tempting to go play big and stuff, but the way I think about it is like, okay, we know tournaments are like super volatile and it could take you tons and tons of slates to ever hit it. So now this is like your, you know, safety landing pad uh, for all the slates that you are going to brick out over the next thing. So I try not to change too much in just knowing, hey, the pendulum's going to swing back. You're just trying to stay in the game long enough to hit another bank. Yeah, and I think I think Alex has said recently that Osmo has said recently that it's like you should prepare to have 10x the bankroll of the tournament that you want to win. So like if you want to win a million maker, you should prepare to put in ten million dollars. So like I think Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, for the top prize of yeah. that? Because you're gonna lose so often that it's gonna take like that amount potentially, you know, to get where you want to get. Yeah. Wow. And I, I'm sure that is more applicable to the Millie maker where it is so top heavy versus maybe some of the right. more flatter payout structures. But yeah, it is a good rule of thumb to just know uh, <laughs> you need a pretty big bankroll to be consistently playing these contests week in and week out. And for Osmo, he's playing those contests in yeah. every sport. You know, if you're just playing 16 weeks of NFL, it's probably a little easier to kind of set aside your budget ahead of time saying like, hey, if I lose every one of these, I'm going to play the spy each week. I'm going to put $1,600 in. If I lose my 1600, good, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's hard to, uh, to stay dialed in when you're winning. Meanwhile, conversely, I feel pretty good because I'm like number 70 in the bantamweight rankings on Roto Grinders right now. So I'm like, Hey, moving on up 500 top 500 on the month, Pete. I don't watch out for this guy. (laughs) Wow. You are, you know, the best pound for pound fighter in your bantamweight class. That's what I say. That's like I'm the James Robinson of DFS where like the results aren't there but doing great with his 25 touches when he's actually playing. There you go. Uh, other big stories this week. And this one, I think, was the biggest story. We kind of talked about Tyreek Hill. Uh, Travis Kelsey was a fine play, but clearly at his price point, not got didn't get you exactly where you needed to be. But Chiefs-Falcons, I think a bust of a game in really every possible way. You know, the Chiefs have defended wide receivers pretty well. So I didn't have the, you know, a ceiling-breaking hopes for, for Calvin Ridley. But um, he had a good yardage showing, didn't get there in the end zone. Uh, but still, you know, for him, I felt like that wasn't a great game. For Tyreek, uh, there were some concerns coming in, which to me made me want him more because he had that Q tag on him. The price was uncomfortable, but I thought he had the potential here for this to be uh, kind of like that Bucks game he had where he just put it on him over and over again. Didn't quite get there. And this game, Pete, was so low scoring where I kind of lost my hope like right away here. When it was 0-0, I think after the first quarter, I was like, well, this is not going to work out. 
Yeah, this, that one was weird because I full faded that game and I felt like I was doing pretty good. I even tried to leverage it by playing the Chiefs defense. They only ended up with seven points. And yeah, and Travis Kelsey did end up getting there somehow. He had that touchdown at the end of the half. And it was just like, uh, I will say though, if I would have known ownership uh, ahead of time, I would have played a lot more Tyree Kill because he came in way less than I thought. I thought with all the value, everyone was going to use Parham and roll out like a premium stack with Kelsey and Hill and people ended up just playing Kelsey and Ridley and hardly any Hill relative to what his projection would have indicated. So I do think Tyreek ended up being a pretty sneaky play there. Yeah. I I thought that Tyreek, that was sort of my logic and going there. And that's why, you know, I'm not going to be too mad about it because it didn't work out. Cause if it did work out, I think this would have been a really big week for me, but you know, that's sort of the, the risks you have to take here, especially in week 16, week 17 for teams that aren't playing for a lot here. Like, why are you going to push Tyreek Hill that hard in a game that doesn't matter that much? I think is the question. One other fun fact too, about this, which people may have seen on Twitter, Pete, you probably saw too, but did you know that Patrick Mahomes leads the league and dropped interceptions this year? Like that, that's one of those things that coming to next year, I think could be a little bit of a cause for concern for him. I might be, you know, it's Patrick Mahomes. I, I get that, but that's, that's not great. That's kind of a, a bad sign for a guy who does force the ball a lot because he's so talented. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't see that sat it, it, uh, you know, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. He also has had some bad picks too. So yeah. I, it's hard to know. Is that like the basketball thing where it's just like, the top usage guys are going to have turnovers because they have the ball so much. You know, if you're Patrick Mahomes and you're trying to make all these incredible plays, is that just naturally going to lead to more turnovers? Or is it something he actually needs to rein in a little bit? I think that'd be an interesting thing for the data wonks to dive into. Yeah, I feel like it actually might have been even more dramatic than I'm giving it because I think he might be like the all-time leader in dropped interceptions or something like that. I need to double check that, but I saw some stat come through here in my my usual Sunday haze of bouncing between making lineups. So, uh, you know, uh, I agree that that's actually a reason will take like yeah people might expect regression but it could just be part of the part of the reason that that things occur is just the fact that he's willing to force things is why he gets the results uh one other weird game which we like the weird games here we enjoyed uh the concept of that broncos game where they had no qbs and yesterday pete the browns playing a game with no wide receivers they call up uh, jamarcus bradley from the practice squad they also have had marvin hall in their roster for the last few years and uh bradley wasn't available on the slate pete so you know what happened this guy played 20 percent marvin hall and that didn't work out too well though it's one of those things to me where I don't like playing minimum price guys a bunch now because I feel like I've kind of, you know, I would say grown out of it or learned that that usually doesn't work out. But my lineups were still okay, even with Marvin Hall busting because he was so cheap that you can get to other guys. And I feel like, I, you know, I, something to keep in mind, but I would have certainly preferred to have had Jamarcus Bradley if he were an option at all. Yeah, I ended up just staying away from that game completely. I wish I would have gotten on it a little more, you know, in hindsight, Hooper ended up being the kind of guy who inherited all of the volume available. And then I wish, I wish I would have, you know, every week I play a Jets wide receiver and uh, Jamison Crowder was way underpriced at 4,500 for his role. And uh, you know, somehow I just kind of X'd out that game thinking it would be pretty gross. And uh, yeah, that was a mistake. I think it was tough with the pump play wide receivers. I didn't, feel like I had to go to Marvin Hall. I ended up going to some of the Chargers guys like Guyton and, and Tyron Johnson and uh, even got my boy LaVisca, who's a little more expensive. He was 3,700. Um, so yeah, there was actually a lot of nice pump plays there. Yeah. Marvin Hall was, I think it was tough because you know he's the big play receiver. So he's either going to really get there or probably flop. But if he, you know, does the KJ Hamler from a few weeks ago where he catches two long touchdowns on, you know, three targets, like, it's an absolute smash. So I definitely get the play in tournaments. 
Yeah, I figured it was either a 15 or zero outcome for him. He ended up with uh, much closer to the zero. I think he had 2.2 fantasy points, but um, really didn't even get a deep shot in the game. Baker's kind of threw him some intermediate routes. I Maybe the trust isn't there. For whatever reason, this guy, uh, two really gunslinging QBs with Matthew Stafford and Baker Mayfield, and neither has felt the need to target him a bunch. So unfortunately, my Marvin Hall days may be coming to an end, but um, you know, I, I wanted to take the shot here. This is a guy I talked about when he was a lion. He ended up going off one week after I had touted him on some shows. And um, unfortunately, this is the the Marvin Hall life. And uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about playoffs, you know, not sort of the thing we're following the most closely here because we're more concerned about the game to game uh, every single week. But the Browns can still make the playoffs, Pete. And uh, I think this is a weird situation in the East where or the in the AFC, uh, the Colts have an 80 percent chance of making it. But it's because I think the Browns can lose their spot if they don't beat the Steelers. And I guess the Titans can also lose their spot. So I don't know if you have any feel for this. Like to me, it's more like, let's see who just gets in. I really don't care. But I really would like the Browns to not make the playoffs after they blew that game. Like they don't they don't deserve it now that they should just not be in. They should immediately get disqualified because of that loss. Yeah, I uh, I was doing my stream this morning and someone was like, what do you think of uh, who's going to make the playoffs? Blah, blah. I was like, do I look like Steve Kornacki over here? Like looking at all these scenarios? I, I legit don't know. I will. Some people will do the work for us later in the week and will tell us which teams have motivations to play for. So uh, I'm with you though. Yeah, I don't think the Browns strike me as a fun playoff team. And generally that's just what I'm rooting for is like, which team are going to give us the most high scoring fun fantasy games and the Browns want to slow things down, muck up the games. Although maybe that's not fair uh, because they have gotten in these shootouts. So yeah. I don't know. My gut reaction is I don't want them in, but who knows? Maybe they would be good for a fantasy game. I think the Colts deserve it more. and But the Browns are a team that's kind of built for the playoffs, you know, with their reliance on Nick Chubb, with the ability to use Kareem Hunt too in the past game. So we'll see how it goes. And we'll obviously talk about it more in the episode later in the week. Uh, I think the other thing to note about week 16, I thought was interesting, you know, week 16, week 17, we tend to think a lot about the guys, the younger guys on the upswing, the Samaj P Ryans who go off with a big day. Um, kind of surprisingly with geo also having a big day, but to me, Pete, I thought one of the big things was Devonte Adams putting it down last night, showdown captain winning performance with three TDs, Alvin Kamara, the, Going four TDs, the Al Bundy, if anybody watched Married with Children remembers that, that's the famous, like, that's like the threshold. Six TDs is fucking insane, and these guys, like, star players, both who happen to have braids, I guess, if you want to uh, bump up your projection for guys with braids on the home stretch, but just smashing and really winning teams' leagues, winning everything, like, you like to see it, but also, you know, for Kamara, I, I don't know how you would feel here if, if you, like, missed your playoffs or whatever because he was in that downswing, and now he comes out with six touchdowns. Like, that was insane. Yeah, uh, it was, there were some massive week 16 performances. I had in one of, I do like a Boston area uh, fantasy league. Uh, and I had, I got huge days from miles Gaskin and Mike Evans on Saturday. And so I had like a 65 point cushion and uh, my buddy, Joey, who I was playing last night had the Rogers Adams stack. And he almost hunted me down. I think I ended up winning by like eight or nine points. So if they get one more touchdown there at the end, I just had a massive lead evaporated. So yeah, the Adams teams, man, he is just, he's so damn good. And it is fun. Like when the studs, you know, you people get burned sometimes in week 16, you have the best team and then they flop. Like if you had Alvin Kamara or Devonte Adams and you made it to the playoffs, like 
you deserve that hammer performance. I'm also sad that my my DraftKings best ball team did not survive because I had Devontae Adams and getting that performance in week 16, even if like you don't win, I feel like you're like, wow, Devontae really came through for me. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I think one other lesson too from that game yesterday, which was freezing cold, snowy in Green Bay. Um, and I thought it was a good point made by Jeff Schwartz, who's one of those guys who's a former football player now doing the media thing, I think at, over at Fox Sports. And um, I think he has his own podcast too, but it's been around sort of actually grinded you know a little more digital media stuff than most of these guys do before getting their jobs and he'd pointed out that like in a snow game you actually do like the receivers more and I thought Devontae Adams showed that pretty well where he was open by like five yards on most plays a lot of intermediate routes and and a guy like him who can get open in those spaces it's going to be tougher for defenders to get their footing and to know where the guy's going whereas a Marquez Valdez Scantling like he was a non-factor completely because you can't throw the deep ball in 20 mile wins in a snow game so I think that's something to keep in mind here for the playoffs obviously it's not always going to be that these guys aren't all Devontae Adams, but I do think it's something where people kind of tune out when it's a snow game, and I don't know that's actually the right move. Yeah, I, I had seen, I think Mike Clay had a tweet where he said he had done like a little bit of preliminary research on it and that the weather stuff seems to impact the road team more in general, uh, which kind of intuitively makes sense, right? Like the Packers clearly more acclimated to playing in cold weather and snow games, you know, outdoors in Lambeau compared to say the Titans and, uh, and just not having to travel being more accustomed to the, the turf itself too. I think that makes sense. So yeah, I was, um, I had some best ball teams too. I was in the underdog uh, final in the bubble one. And I had a Tannehill double stack that had gotten me there with AJ Brown oh. and Corey Davis. And then I had, I did have Adams coming back and I think I'm going to finish seventh or eighth, which is cool. But um, yeah, that offense could not get going. And the second I saw how bad the weather was, they were establishing the run. Tannehill looked all out of sorts. I was like, this is not happening today. Yeah, and then the the game script also kind of, you know, got Derrick Henry out. So another poor showing in Dehember. We're about at a 50% hit rate on Dehember, but uh, we'll see what he does next week here in a must-win game for the Titans. Uh, a couple other playoff implications here. The Cowboys and the Giants, they remain alive for a playoff spot, but they need Washington to lose in Philly. And uh, that's the Sunday night football game, which I think Pete has some of the highest dumpster fire potential. We saw kind of a not great one with the Browns and Giants. And now next Sunday night football, uh, you get the Washington and Philly. And I, to me, I think that's just the Jalen Hurts. Like, let's put a cap on the year and smoke these guys out of this out of the league, really, for the season. Yeah, and I believe every game for week 17 is on Sunday, right? We don't have any Thursday, no Saturday. So it's just going to be a blitzkrieg of games all day Sunday. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no Saturday. Uh, yeah, and it's just all Sunday, no Monday either. So yeah, so it's all on the line there. And there really, despite that, there really weren't a lot of important games. So that's why that game that may seem uh, kind of stinky. And it does it honestly is a not great game uh, to close out the season with. Uh, that is the one that actually has the most playoff implications where it's a win and you're in for Washington. So uh, there you go. Bears on the cusp of a playoff spot as well. And as Pete mentioned, these you'll, you'll know more specifics about these. We wanted to make sure to give some information. Uh, they need to beat Green Bay or they need Arizona to lose. And then we could get playoff off Mitch Trubisky, which just seems if you're a better, that just seems like one that you're probably licking your chops at. Yeah. Mitch is actually one of those guys that I don't mind if they sneak into playoffs because he plays uh, so erratically that his games can uh, be very conducive to fun fantasy environments. So I, I, I don't mind if the bears sneak in. All right, and let's talk, I guess, you know, now we've talked about week 16 and we got uh, about 20 minutes left here in the show. No snake draft this week as uh, Pete put his foot down. He steadfastly refused to even do a theoretical one. Threatened to walk out of the show, I believe, is what you did. <laughs> I don't even know where. I mean, and the thing is, too, is like 
if you are for some reason playing in week 17, it honestly is probably one of the best waiver wire weeks of the year because there's going to be so many late scratches, so much done that if you are on top of the news, but doing an early waiver <laughs> wire show for week 17 would probably be the least useful thing uh, imaginable. So if you're playing in week 17, Godspeed, you are on your own this week. Yeah, it's honestly been hard enough the last few weeks. So this is one time, you know, I like to push back on Pete sometimes, but this is one where I was like, yeah, what, you're probably right. Like what, I enjoy you, the process. But. Did you fist pump a couple of those Tyler Conklin catches on <laughs> Christmas day? So no, I, I, that's actually in my victory lap. So I want to hold that off. Actually, you know, let's just get to it. Let's do the victory laps first. Then we could take some L's. We could talk about week 17, but I'm going to take a victory lap, Pete, for, for Irv Smith Jr. We all wanted Tyler Conklin to be great, but you pointed it out. And this is the thing that I missed. And this is why we work so well as a team is that Irv Smith Jr. was the real Tyler Conklin all along. He was. Wait, you're victory lapping my victory lap? I'm victory lapping you pointing out like us working together to land on Irv Smith. You're so sick. He was like, first you did like. You did the scorecard for the uh, the best waiver wire picks when you had your best waiver wire pick, and your number one victory lap is a thing I said. You're disgusting. Well, I think again, I think it was a showing of camaraderie this holiday season, us getting together uh, to figure out like, hey, Tyler Conklin looked good, but the more logical play, like the less galaxy brain play, was going to Irv Smith, and I think that was where that was where you kind of walked me off the ledge, <laughs> not walked me off the ledge, walked me back from the ledge, <laughs> and uh, and Irv Smith. 20 fantasy points monster day i pushed you off the ledge when you touted tyler conklin i think is the <laughs> it was analogy. a christmas miracle really my heart grew three sizes that day thanks to irv smith working together for both of us to, to be the better man amongst him and tyler conklin there you go yeah Ty, uh, irv smith yeah very nice game uh on thursday would have been a better play than uh donald parham if you were scraping the bottom of the barrel there for yeah. tight ends um one of one of my victory laps, I guess I had him in most of my DFS lineups and he wasn't like an Uber smash, but uh, Jonathan Taylor was like 2% mm-hmm. in all of my spy contests. And I know he was a little pricey. Uh, I guess people were afraid of the Steelers defense, but I just thought his workload had been increasing so much. And Jordan Wilkins now back to back weeks where he hasn't played a snap. So felt good about getting a lot of Jonathan Taylor. And then I correlated him with Deontay Johnson on the other side of the game. So those mini stacks uh, worked out well. So I guess I'll victory lap that. Yeah, and I think for me too, you know, the this isn't really a victory lap, but again, just tying back to the overall process, I think especially here down the home stretch in week 17, we're going to find some really cheap guys, and especially if you can find one at minimum price who's going to have a role. Like, you know, I was bummed that Marvin Hall didn't get there. You know, having 20% of him, I know there were people, uh, guys I do shows with who actually had more, so I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, but, you know, him and Parham, like I had way too much Parham, but these guys didn't kill me. Like I can tell you I was surprised by it, but I had enough of the good plays in there that those guys allowed me to get to that. I think that was sort of, it's always hard for me to mentally get there because I feel like I had to really train myself out of just trusting minimum guys way more than I should. But, but those guys, when they have a role, when they're out there and then you can, and you know, the other good plays and you can afford to get there. I think that's just one thing I need to be more mindful of moving forward, especially for week 17, where you're going to have a lot of these guys getting snaps. So uh, that's me. I'm going to take as a victory lap for myself, but, um, and also I, I got the Devonte Adams showdown captain yesterday, so that's another oh, victory. Oh, I just realized that. That's disgusting. Yeah, Pete, you are now you're down pretty big now. I just need because I'm on a run of these ten pointers over the last few weeks, so I think you're down like forty or something. 
Well, all right, week 17, all 10-pointers. The 10-point strategy, I think, here has been pretty good. Like, we both tried a few more 10-pointers this week. I did have one debate for you in our ride-or-die picks, which I guess we could talk about really fast, um, was that you had a three-pointer for DK Metcalf over Jared Goff, and I gave it to you, but that doesn't feel like a three-pointer. DK Metcalf projected better. No, he didn't. No, I mean, all the projection systems, at least the two I looked at, had Jared Goff around 21 points and DK Metcalf around 17. And four-point spread is generally what we've done for a three-pointer. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's what I, I love how I gave you the exact specifics <laughs> and you're just so offended. I just felt like that one wasn't a three-pointer in my heart, but I, I gave it to you. Like, I'm not going to... You don't I, have to in... get... I mean, it's a three-pointer by the letter of the law. No, I know. It's fine. If I, I have an eight-point lead on the week, so it's fine. But the things that Pete got right this week, got T. Higgins. Your boy T. Higgins comes through, and you got the DK Metcalf above Jared Goff. And actually, those are the two that you got right. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, it looks like I missed by point. <laughs> you missed by point four, I think. Point four, yeah. So that's great. How many? How many points did Nick Chubb have? That one had to have been close. Uh, Nick Chubb had nineteen and change, I think, and uh, okay. Kareem Hunt had fourteen. Okay. All right. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Pete's going to have to go balls out in week 17, which is, I think, what we've been building to all along. If you somehow win week 17 or you win the season in week 17, that would be probably the best victory for the ride or die picks and the most shameful one for me. Oh, yeah. I uh, I will. I, I had teased it before. Willis called me out for it. Willis, the accountant, he said I said I would do all 10 pointers and I've yet to do it. Week 17, I am doing all 10 pointers. And you got another chance here for the Monday night game, which we'll give our ride or die picks coming up here. But guys, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. And and Pete, I feel like, you know, the wedding guest book thing has been working well for us. But any other prompts you want to give the people here down the home stretch? We've had a season full of memories, so I don't know if there's anything fun to do there. How many YouTube subscribers are we at? We're at like 435 now. All right. We need we need to be to 500 by by the end of the week. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have to get a significant portion more. Boy, that's, that would really be beating the projection, Pete. <laughs> if we get to 500 by the end of the week, we will do a host of things for you. Spags will post his girlfriend's proprietary egg dog uh, thing. I will uh, order another card on eBay of a luminary such as Arnie Weinmeister that we will, we will do a drawing for. We we need to get to 500 subs. It's it's unexcusable. I feel like 500 by the end of the season seems reasonable, but 500 by the end of the week, like the whole season, I think we can get there. <laughs> by the end of the week, hey, prove me wrong, everybody out there. Hit that subscribe button. Get us there. And uh, Yeah, and then I, we're also going to be doing a live show. I think that's what we decide on. Is the, the Friday show will be a live show, whether we have a guest or not. So I think the live shows give us a little bit more of a boost from what I've gathered. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get someone to join us on on Friday afternoon for all my ten point ride or die picks. <laughs> yeah, so we will we're gonna have some fun here down the home stretch. So don't leave us. We're gonna be with you guys. Any L's you want to take in particular this week? I feel like no. you know, yeah, no, not a single one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was my double whammy L on uh, ride or die and in my main spy lineup? Darius Slayton in oh. my bring back. I was debating between uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton in my spy. And uh, you know what? I chose the wrong one. Darius Slayton. I, I don't like it has to be this offense, right? Like it's not his fault. Like Daniel Jones loved him last year. And I feel like I feel like Joe Judge is just scolding him on throwing deep balls because Slayton is probably one of the biggest busts in terms of a guy who looked good in his rookie year. Now he's in year two. And it's just like this is not the same dude at all. Yeah, I mean, I think 
I think Darius Slayton was almost the exact same play as Michael Gallup, you know, similar price, similar role. Uh, and uh, I guess a tougher matchup uh, mm-hmm. versus the Ravens compared to the Eagles. But yeah, the the boom bust guys, you know, uh, sometimes they bust. And when you're Darius Slayton, you bust a lot this year, apparently. <laughs> he always be busting. That's, that's what we say about Darius Slayton. Uh, so that is one L to take in. Um, I'm going to take the L on Tyreek Hill. I just, that was one where I really, yeah, we talked about the process reasons why you get there, but sometimes, you know, just a dude, I, I was bummed to have as much of him as I did at that price point with what he did, but you know, that's, that's the risk you take here. So I'll take the L for it. And, um, anything ride or die was, I I don't feel that great about, and Alan Robinson was close to 25. You know, one thing we need to talk about real fast, Chad Hansen. I know, you know, there's a reason why these guys are practice squad guys. There's a reason why, uh, they have thin lips despite being handsome. Uh, but Chad Hansen is, uh, just didn't get there. He's not Brandon cooks. I really wanted him to be, you know, the white will fuller and that's just not going to happen. Pete. And it's (laughs) white will fuller. Uh, I, I also, I, I did make one Deshaun Watson team, and I galaxy brained it and I had Chad Hansen in there with, with Brandon cook. So when you're taking a zero, uh, even your Deshaun Watson stacks aren't going to get there. So yeah, that was, that was tough. There's a reason Brandon cooks is Brandon cooks. And there's a reason Chad Hansen's Chad Hansen. And we just gotta, gotta celebrate the moments we had with him that were good. The one week that Isaiah Coulter didn't play. We'll always have that, but Chad Hansen, uh, not a dude uh, that I can go back to probably ever again. Um, let's do stat shaming real faster. Then we'll do our ride or die picks. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about a week 17 kind of overall thought thing, but stat shaming the time of week where we always ask, did these plays get unsustainable numbers? Do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches? And this, this week, Pete, AJ Dillon, 21 for 124 yards and two touchdowns along with one catch for five yards on one target. And AJ Dillon to me, I mean, this is a, a situation where a rookie coming in, uh, you know, not a highly touted rookie necessarily one that green Bay fans have had a lot of hope for, but he looks sexy this week. I will give him that. But I also think this is a situation where, you know, it's like being the star of an action movie. It's like being Black Widow. Like, yeah, Scarlett Johansson looks great. But if you put in Jennifer Lawrence in that role, she's probably also going to look great. If you put in, um, I'm trying to think who else, who's the girl from Wolf of Wall Street? Margot Robbie. Put Margot oh, yeah. Robbie in there. You're going to be like, wow, what a sexy Black Widow. Like, that's A.J. Dillon. I think you or I could get 50 rushing yards behind this Packers line right now who is mashing for these guys. And Aaron Jones, you know, I think is a fine player, but there's a reason why they keep going to Jamal Williams. And I think that could be the case with AJ Dillon here, um, who's a bit more of a hammer back. So I'm going to shame him a little bit here, but he's just, he's in a good situation. Look hot every single week. You know what? I am, I'm going to surprise myself and I am not going to shame AJ Dillon. I thought I was, but here's the thing about AJ Dillon. He, uh, as a prospect was very comparable to Derrick Henry. Didn't catch a lot of passes, but has the same size, speed, profile. They drafted him. It's snowing. What do we talk about with Derrick Henry? It's December. You know, the guys don't want to tackle him. They wear him down. Uh, People are going to say this is a flash in the pan. Aaron Jones is an unrestricted free agent this offseason. I really doubt that they're going to end up wanting to pay him as much as the market will be wanting to pay him. And I think A.J. Dillon is going to be their lead back next year with Jamal Williams working in on pass downs like he usually does. And I think he's the real deal. I think he's going to be a miniature version of Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb where, yeah, he's going to have these bad games when they get down and he's not on the field as much. But when the weather's cold, when they got a lead, I think this dude can put up some monster games. So A.J. Dillon, shockingly, 
I'm not going to uh, stat shame you. I didn't know that Aaron Jones is going to be a free agent, but this is like the worst possible time for a guy like him to be a free agent after yeah. some of the signings we've had, like the girly signing, even McCaffrey, you know, not playing really more than a couple games. I even, even play more than one game. I don't even remember now. Um, I, I wouldn't pay Aaron Jones big money right now. Yeah. Uh, some team will, you know, like there's always the team that wants to, uh, you know, shill out these massive, uh, running back contracts. I think what Zeke is still under contract now for six more years. <laughs> I believe uh, so. and he's like the third best running back on his own team. So, uh, <laughs> tough scene there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Aaron Jones, but I just cannot imagine the Packers, um, giving out a ton of, ton of money to retain him. Man, what a screw job for Aaron Jones. He's had these years he's had recently, and he was making four hundred and seventy five grand his first two years, basically a uh, six hundred fifty grand in twenty nineteen, and then this year he makes two point one million. And um, who's gonna pay him? I, I I'm curious to see who will pay him, but uh, hopefully he makes that okay here. We talked about it here. I always feel bad for the running backs, but another guy to stat shame, Mike Evans, ten catches, one hundred eighty one yards, and two touchdowns on twelve targets. And I think this is not gonna be a stat shame for me. I think Mike Evans is finally living up to what we thought he could be in this offense for Tampa Bay. I think whenever he gets a good matchup outside, you're going to see these results. Like the one thing that jumps out to me is the fact that, you know, for whatever faults Mike Evans has had uh, with a, a less, you know, risk prone quarterback this year with Tom Brady instead of Jameis Winston, I feel like Evans has had the touchdown equity. He has been the deep ball guy. Chris Godwin looked good this week, but I do think for the ceiling games, I still think it's Mike Evans in this offense. So I won't statue him here. I just would like to see him look this great every week. I want to see him strutting that thing all around town. Yeah, I am not going to stat shame Mike Evans. I mean, this guy has been, in my mind, like the most consistent wide receiver in football since coming to the league in 2014. He's 40 yards away from having his, uh, what would it be? One, two, three, four, five, six, seventh straight 1000 yard receiving season. Uh, I should go to pro football reference and pull up who's on that short list, but it is in fact a short list. So hopefully he gets those 40 yards has just been rock solid. I remember coming into the league, everyone thought, you know, Sammy Watkins, he's the guy from this draft class, the number one wide receiver, but man, Mike Evans, uh, year in and year out, different quarterbacks, different situations, different coaches, just balls out. So yes, I refuse to stat shame Mike Evans. I would say though, like, I don't know that I would consider him the most consistent. Like to me, that's like Julio where, you know, you're going to get your seven catches for whatever yards and maybe there's a touchdown, but he's got no, the most no, consistent mean- ceiling. No, I mean consistent over uh, over the course of a season, just gotcha, like okay. bankable projection. Yeah, not on a week to week. He he has been volatile uh, because he is used further down the field. But just I mean, every season you know you're getting a thousand yards from Mike Evans, and he's gonna break at least you know four slates in a given year. Like that's always been Mike Evans. Usually when people aren't on him, they they see like a three for thirty week, and they're like, oh, this guy he's, he can't get there, and then he just destroys. So yeah, I think there's something to Mike Evans where um, he's a dude you want here, and I think gonna be very dangerous in the playoffs with. Bucks team that's been hard to hit, but seems like they're hitting their stride now. Uh, another guy who I think actually I think is the one that you can really stat shame the most this week, but Michael Gallup, six catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. I think he abused, uh, I think it's a rookie, uh, that guy Jaquette for the Eagles, but he really abused him. Darius Slay then, they shifted the coverage around, and then Amari Cooper basically beat down the same guy in the second half. I think that's what this offense is, is <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper basically you know, just doing the same thing. One of them's going to have a good matchup sometimes. Sometimes it'll be CD Lamb. Like, you know, I, I think with Andy Dalton, especially, 
the upside just isn't there week to week with Gallup. So like, I think it's not his fault. I think it's just more, a, you know, a symptom of this offense and maybe the Cowboys season ending next week. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I like Gallup. I just wish he were somewhere where he could be like, you know, he could be T Higgins. Like is Gallup any worse than T Higgins? I would say probably not, um, but he just needs to see that volume. And I just don't trust him to get the volume week in, week out. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, I realize my stat shaming and analogies have been uh, lacking today. I haven't gone. So I need a good analogy for Michael Gallup. This is like, you know how sometimes you'll hear stories of where someone will get selected by a recruiter, like at a bar for a reality TV show, you know, where they're going around. So this is like Michael Gallup is at the bar with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, and they're all very attractive. But, you know, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb run to the bathroom real set for a quick second. And the recruiter is like, Michael Gallup, we want you to be on the next season of the bachelor and so then they go and grab him and they come back and they're like oh we didn't even know you know cd lamb and amari <laughs> cooper were there they're still sexy they're still hot but michael gallup just happened to get hand selected this week the issue is that amari cooper and cd lamb just took gigantic dumps in the bathroom were in there for far too long and michael gallup out there slender and uh, no but th- those guys had good games this past week too it just wasn't michael gallup level good game it's true it's uh, michael gallup i think that's a fair analogy here and i feel like the transition for for next season for sat shaming is that we're just going to drop the whole problematic angle and just make it <laughs> just about the stats it's a a gradual ride here as we've run out of every possible vaguely insulting analogy for both men and women as the season's gone on there you go. Let's do it. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, uh, we got, let's see, we got five minutes here. You want to talk week 17? Let's save our week 17 spiel for Friday. I think that might be the better move so we can talk more, maybe have a little more, a few more days here to get some data in. Let's just do our ride or die picks for Monday because uh, we have an interesting game here with Buffalo, New England. So if, if you are watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe again, we'll be back Friday. The goal is going to be do a live show there. So uh, we'll make sure to tweet it out as well. But um, yeah, we're going to be doing a little more live streams, I think, because I, I personally have liked how those have gone, had a lot of fun. Uh, doing our Christmas show and also if you didn't watch the Christmas show watch it I think that's one that's going to hold it's not uh, though Pete honestly your Bucks onslaught lineup for the Saturday slate actually ended up being pretty close to what somebody should have done dude it's funny you say that because I did um, this other uh, like free roll contest for some people in my discord and so I set it up and so I wanted to put in a dummy lineup you know where I wasn't you know eligible to whatever I wanted to tank I did that Bucks onslaught lineup and I got third place in my own little free roll. And I was looking at it during the day. At one point, it was winning the spy. Like if that lineup was in there with a Ronald Jones scratch, you know, with all of it in there. Because everyone got there. Like on the Bucks, it was absolutely insane. So yeah, the uh, the Bucks onslaught, that drunken lineup we built, we could have <laughs> literally have thrown that into any DraftKings contest and cashed on the Saturday slate. <laughs> I, I didn't know you had a Discord. What are you, what are you doing when oh, we're not you doing Splash? About, we got like... <laughs> Yeah, like 500 people in here, man. Wow. All right. The, yeah. I, I feel like the, well, we we need to talk about the, the Pete future because I feel like we, like me, Pat, uh, everybody else you do shows with, uh, Brian, like we just all need to tether ourselves to the Pete train and just, and just latch on and siphon like like a vampire or, or like a baby cat to suckle at your teat for. You're, <laughs> you're more than welcome. The people have been trying to get Pat in here because there's like a beer channel, drink chasing. And so people talk about all the craft oh. beers that they like and Pat, you know, very high flouting with his beer tastes and uh yeah he ha- he hasn't gotten active in there so no you are w- more than welcome to join the deposit kingdom discord chris <laughs> the deposit king i like that that's actually fun branding that's Pete, Pete really figuring out this game you're gonna you're gonna serve out outlive us all in the dfs community <laughs> here's the crazy thing about this 
Discord, not my idea. Deposit Kingdom, not even my name. This guy, Siler, <laughs> offered oh. to get it all set up and make it. So uh, all credit to Siler for uh, being the lord of the Deposit Kingdom for me. All right, fair enough. So can, shout out to the Deposit Kingdom then. I, I We need to lean in more. We were, uh, There was one company we had talked to, which I, I wouldn't, I shouldn't reveal too much, but uh, we had thought about the idea of like, you know, re- sort of reverse engineering a community. And, and all this time, Pete, on, in the shadows, you've been building an army. Yeah. You know, an army, they, here's the thing. They don't even care. They don't care about what I think. They, they all just talk about the plays in the NFL. No one, no one ever tags me. It just kind of runs on itself because no one actually gives a shit about my opinion. So it works out well. <laughs> hey, you brought them together. That's what matters. Speaking of bringing people together, Monday night football coming up tonight, Buffalo bills, 27 implied points, new England, 19 and a half implied points over under has actually come up a point and a half throughout the week, uh, up to 46 and a half. And um, I don't want you to take my pick, Pete, because I think there was one smash play here. So I'm just going to go first. Cole Beasley showdown, Captain. Okay. I am. I think I'm going to pull. I mean, Beasley has just been absolutely destroying. Um, And it does seem like one of those games where Belichick sells out to stop Josh Allen. And, you know, Beasley just kills him with like 16 receptions. So uh, I do think that's sharp. Um, I'm just going to go chalk and try to emulate what you did last night with Devontae Adams. I'll take Josh Allen, Captain. Oh, that's that's a good. He's honestly going to be the highest probability one too. I just I just think the secondary is not that good, but still good enough to. They're going to probably really plot to stop Diggs, and um, yeah. we'll find out tonight. But this this to me, Pete, also I feel like is really a changing of the guard, the AFC East, where I don't know how New England. You know, it's Bill Belichick. I'm never going to write him out, but I don't know they get back on track next year. But like the Bills should be good for probably a good three four year window with competent coaching, a good defense, a shutdown corner, and White. Um, like I think the Bills are probably the team of the East, you know, unless Miami figures some stuff out with uh, two who I think is just terrible. I, I have not liked two at all this year. Yeah. He's been, he's interesting. I need to like, I don't, <laughs> I watch red zone. I haven't got to watch like a full game of his yet. I, I kind of want to dig into it and see like what's going on with him exactly because he flashes, right. And like he'll make some of these big plays and he's fairly accurate, but it just, the whole there's something off about it and uh, i do think he can be successful long term but it, it's not quite all the way there yet i think if he's successful it's because of that defense like that that saturday game against the raiders was i thought the quintessential to a game where he got to 100 passing yards he got the win but he had 85 of those yards going to gaskin on checkdowns like that's to it he's not he's not going to create value for the Devonte parkers of the world at least this year you know maybe a, an offseason a full offseason of him being healthy will be enough but like to me you could judge a, a player by how their weapons kind of do with one QB to another and if you're comparing Parker, Gasicki, all those guys to, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick times to their Tua times, like it's disastrous when Tua's in there for him. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, the one thing I will say of why I have a lot of faith that things get turned around for Tua is just because I feel like the organization is making really, really smart yeah. decisions in the way they're building through the offensive line, the defense, Flores seems like a great coach. They don't waste money on running backs and flashy signings and stuff. So I do think they're going to continue to build around him. And, you know, we just mentioned Josh Allen, like that's a guy that people were writing off really early and the bills just continue to play to his strengths specifically they bring in digs this past year give him more weapons um so yeah i i have a lot of confidence in the in the dolphins uh front office see i have one kind of spicy take i think if drew lock gets to start for one more year and and you know gets the shot again i think he ends up being a better qb next year than tua does wow 
Yeah. Wow, that's a hot take. Because um, he takes deep shots. Like, he's not good, but he at least tries to push it downfield. Like, I think that's a big part of it. Like, I just don't trust that two is going to have the the results. I mean, they might win games, but I really think if they win games, it's because of that defense being... Like, they've, they scored touchdowns like five straight games. They're amazing. Yeah, wow. Um, I, I don't think I can go that hot, but I respect you for the take. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing you can look forward to here in the offseason, guys. So make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. This is the end of the week. Pete, any plugs you want to hit on? You've got content coming up all times. And um, also, wait, our Friday show is then going to be on New Year's Day? Um. Yeah, we'll, we'll need to figure that out. I should be, I mean, I'll be around. So yeah, we'll, I mean, I have we'll to do an awesome stream anyway. I just, I, God, I, I hope my, I'm not doing anything for New Year's, but I just assume I'm going to get drunk on New Year's Eve because that's, that just seems like the thing to do. It does seem like something that would happen. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a time. <laughs> yeah. I'll be around in the afternoon on, yeah, on we'll, New we'll, Year's fi- Eve. yeah, so we'll, we'll get it done on, on New Year's Day. I think we, we pretty much have to. There may be, maybe there's a chance it ends up being Saturday. We'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, Pete, any plugs for you other than people should follow you at Peter Rovers that they should apparently check out your Discord that's popping off here. So, uh, what else for you? No, I'm all plugged out, man. <laughs> He's all plugged out. Uh, follow me at Chris Spags. Uh, check out. I have some NBA live streams coming up this week. I might have an NBA show coming out from our I, Pete. I put in the request with uh, your graphic designer, Doug. He's given me some graphics for an NBA show that I'm gonna I'm gonna buy anyway, in the hopes that I can get the motivation to do uh, uh, to do a rip off of Splash Play with just me without without your brilliance. Nice. And it's just called Splash. Yeah, it's just called it's called Play. Actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want to give the name away, but I, I'm excited for the branding. We'll see what our, what Doug does after he did a really good job with our Splash Play graphics. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That'll be in the new year. And um, that's it, guys. We'll be back with you guys on Friday at some point. So watch the handles. We'll, you'll know the exact time that we go live. And we appreciate you all. So uh, happy New Year and uh, have a good night tonight with Monday Night Football. Bye, guys. <laughs>